that is the exact song that I was singing in my head when I had to go down to the police station for a photo lineup. Quite the soundbite, isn't it? We're actually starting a new series today called Soundbites. In fact, it's, we're, we're doing hashtag summer soundbites, and we're jumping into summer, and we're going to have a soundbite every single week. And my goal is, is that as we go through these soundbites, which let me define what a soundbite is. It's a snippet of information that's taken out of a larger body of text or perhaps a narrative, okay? And, um, and, and, and we're really familiar with soundbites in culture, in our society. In fact, uh, American media coined this phrase in the 1970s, just FYI, a little bit of a fun fact from the back of my brain that I just delivered to you at no extra charge because everyone wanted to know, where did the word soundbite come from? And uh, FYI, it is spelled B-I-T-E, not to be confused with a computer bite, which was B-Y-T-E. We had a debate over that on our sermon prep call. And I just want you to know in my very humble competitive spirit, I was right. Each week uh, in this series, we're going to examine a snippet of text from Scripture. And the purpose of doing that is to discover the powerful truth that it holds. And some of these sound bites, these snippets, uh, are going to be controversial. Some of them are going to be challenging. Some of them are going to be things that when you read them, maybe you've glossed over for years and it's just confusing. Um, some of them, for sure, we have taken out of context, perhaps thousands of times. And we're going to go through these. Today's soundbite is going to be Matthew 6, 33. If you'd like, you can turn there, but it's going to be very quick. We're going to throw it up right now on the screen for everyone join us on our online campus, for all of you who are sitting with us. By the way, I love seeing all of your faces. Welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome home. Hey, you bring so much to the family, and when, when you show up and we see your faces, something happens in community. And, and I just, I love seeing you. I love the energy. So I look forward to seeing all of you who can get here. Um, I know that a lot of us uh, perhaps are watching in different states and stuff like that, and it's difficult or near impossible. And, um, and we love having you on our online campus, but if you can be here, it's awesome. Matthew 6, 33, super famous scripture. If you've been around church for any period of time, if you haven't, this is going to be brand new to you. And I think both parties, whether you've, you've heard this before, you've never heard it before, we're going to dig into a little bit today and we're going to uh, figure out what truth it holds. This is the scripture, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything that you need. Now, the problem and the barrier with sound bites is that oftentimes they're taken out of this larger body of text. And what happens is they're left open to manipulation or interpretation by being put through a filter of personal bias. In the lack of information, there's a gap that every one of us fill naturally. And you're going to filter how you fill that through a personal bias. Now, what is uh, a bias? A bias I would describe as this, property of not being in balance. It's a property of not being in balance of what? Of all of the information. So 
When I walked up here, I said to you, quote, that's the exact song that I was singing in my head when I had to go down to the police station to do a police lineup. Now, left out of context, you may think that I'm the one who actually said that. But immediately, you begin filling in the blanks through your own personal history, your understanding, how you see things, and it creates an imbalance because there's an inherent bias. It's inevitable. We're human. And so there's some questions that really beg to be asked. So for instance, uh, here's some questions that I would ask about that statement. Um, what was the song? Who sang the song? Whose head was the song playing in? Why did the person have to go to the police station for a lineup? Were they the criminal? Were they the victim? Were they a witness to a crime? Who were they speaking to? Why were they speaking at the time? And what is the history and personal bias of the person or the people that heard this soundbite? See, there's so much that we need to ask in order to really get an accurate conclusion as to what was being said. And in this case, yesterday we were celebrating my daughter's graduation from high school. What a weird time to graduate from high school. Truth was that she had finished high school in December. And so she hadn't been around classmates or school. And she had, in fact, started college in December. And she's already finished with her first semester of college. But Yesterday, she got to, for a couple of hours, be in high school again as she graduated and we celebrated her. And we're spending time at home and we're all together. And this is how the story actually goes. I'm in the kitchen and I'm making some food and I hear my oldest daughter, who is spending some time with us because of her younger sister's graduation, make this statement. That was the song that was playing in my head when I had to go to the police station to do a lineup. Everyone in the house stopped. My sister said, wait, wait, what? And the room begged for a greater context. See, what had happened was is that the song was I Want It That Way by a singer named Britney Spears. And for some reason, that song popped up, and when my 22-year-old daughter heard it, it reminded her of the time a week and a half ago that she had to go to a police station to identify a hit-and-run criminal that she had seen and was witness to while she drove to Magic Mountain a little over a week and a half ago with Jake and his wife, Rebecca, and Jake oversees all of our production. So if you're watching our online campus and you're seeing things today, thank you, Jake. Almost got hit by this hit and run driver. My daughter's a witness, then gets called and has to go and identify this person potentially. Doesn't that give you a more accurate understanding and bring you to a better conclusion than this pastor is involved in some shady stuff. Because I don't know what song you heard. You like 80s? You like 90s hair band rock? Like you are going to fill in that blank with whatever it is that you have a personal history and bias toward. Amen? And it leaves an imbalance. See, a bias is asserting this. That how I see the circumstances 
leads me to believe that I'm right in the way that I think. And we all assume an I'm right way of thinking at times. In fact, when I said that just now, if you said, no, I don't, you just proved that you are assuming an I'm right way of thinking by disagreeing with me. I'm wrong. You're right. If you've ever encountered a disagreement in life, you have come in contact with this how I see the circumstances leads me to believe that I'm right in thinking this way. All of us do it. And bias are inevitable and inherently normal to humanity. And the problem doesn't so much lie in the bias, but the problem, it lies in the fact that what we do is we enthrone our bias as truth. And so we need to learn how to dethrone our bias so that we can have a more accurate idea of what's really happening. And how are we going to do that? We need to provide a greater context. I gave you a greater context to what was actually said. I I love the word context. When you break it down, it's made up of two Latin uh, words. The derivative is the word con, which means together. Text means to weave. So context is the weaving together of information and all of the key factors so that you can make a more accurate conclusion. Context. That for you and I to dethrone the bias that maybe we see things through and we all carry them, we need to enthrone. We need to make context king. Because without context, believe me, we are weaving together and we are arriving at perhaps a false conclusion. Today we're going to talk about making context king and dethroning our bias with two key components. Number one, by seeking the king. We're going to make context king by seeking the king. And number two, we're going to make context king by thinking like the king. The scripture that I just read, seek the kingdom of God above all else. Other, other translations say seek first. In the old New King James translation, we none of us speak in these ways. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. That's the way that I remember this. This word seek is to seek in order to find. It is very intentional. Now, it means to aim, to desire, to crave. I love this definition of seeking. Seeking is to demand something from someone. Let me put this in greater context. Because when I say seeking is to demand something from someone, I want you to have context of what this means in this passage that we're actually putting a demand on God to show us how he sees the circumstances rather than demanding to God that he sees the circumstances the way we see them. God understands how we see the circumstances. We often fail to view things the way that God views them. Chiefly because we're caught in the forest of humanity. Humanity. 
And we need to get above the force of humanity so that we can see things from a higher vantage point. Psalm 47, 7 says, For God is the king over all the earth. Praise him with a psalm. God reigns above the nations, sitting on his holy throne. Now, the king always has a higher vantage point in a kingdom. Every king of a kingdom works really hard to put castles from high vantage points and build towers where watchmen are there and enlist people to do what? To be able to sit at a higher vantage point because it's too difficult to see things as they really are when you're in the forest of whatever the circumstance is. We're caught up in the weeds and the details and we miss sometimes the broader context of things and we're not seeing things the way that God perhaps sees them. I would suggest to you that the king has a more balanced context where our bias is imbalance. So simply put, when we're at a higher vantage point, we have more information and whoever has the most information is probably going to arrive at the most accurate conclusion. And you and I, When we seek God's kingdom first, we seek his kingdom and we begin to see the way the king sees. Not in our own self-interest, but we say, God, what is it today that you see? When we encounter a situation where maybe someone is feeling stressed and strained and they're exhibiting signs of that and and maybe acting a little irrational and they're angry that oftentimes what we do is we fill in the gap with our own personal history and bias and we arrive at a conclusion based on how we see things and we may simply need to stop and ask King Jesus can you please show me how you see things. We judge based on manifestations and we have no context on the story of how we arrived where we're at. Context is king and we need to seek the king to see things the way he does. Number two, we need to make context king by thinking like the king. Now here's some context in this scripture. I hear this scripture in Matthew 6 oftentimes said this way. You know, don't worry about it. God gives you everything you need. True. But is that the truth? Mm, There's a command before that. He says, seek first my kingdom. Don't seek your own self-interest. See, seek what I'm interested in. In fact, put a demand on me that I show you what my desires are so that you'll begin to crave and desire those things. 
And you'll begin figuring out that a lot of your needs are actually wants, and those wants are probably going to lead you to really desperate and dark places. Context is king. And I've heard it said in the scripture that on the flip side, that hey, we just need to like we seek fierce the kingdom, man. And God will give you everything you need. And that's true, but that's that's not the truth. See, there's a second part there. It says that we need to live righteously. We need to seek God's kingdom and we need to live righteously. And he gives us everything that we need. What does this word righteously mean? The word righteous means right thinking. So you and I can see things the way the king sees them, but still not think things that the king thinks. In Isaiah 55.8, I'm about to read this to you, and when I do, what, what it's doing is, is it's proving this one thing, that when I see that I need to seek the kingdom of God and live righteously, this right thinking tells me that if there's a right thinking, that perhaps I have a wrong thinking. What it really is implying is that there is a thinking that is superior than the thinking of humanity. Last I checked, there's no one alive, ever living, presently breathing, or that will ever come, that ever, ever will know it all, that is ever right on 100% perfect the way that they think. But there is a God who created you and created me and understands the plans and the purposes that he has for you. And Isaiah 55, 8 puts this into context for us and says, very simply, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. Wait, what? I, God, you don't understand. I, I, I am like a little cap G God. You're an all cap G God, but I'm a little, I'm like, you have a, I have a kingdom. And the way that I see things, God, and the way that I, you don't understand. And he's like, your thoughts are nothing like my thoughts. Thinking is what got you into trouble in the first place. Have you ever read Genesis, the story of Adam and Eve? You, you thought, contrary to what I said. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. Let me put this in context. We can have a wild imagination, but I guarantee you this one thing. None of you are sitting in the seat you're sitting in today, having experienced the things you experienced. None of you could have predicted when you were born that today would look like it looks like. None of you. You couldn't have predicted that you were born into the family you're born into, function and dysfunction. You couldn't have predicted where you went to school. You wouldn't have been able to predict. You couldn't have imagined 
And the older we get, the more we feel like our imagination becomes concrete because don't you know that how I see things leads me to believe that I'm right in my way of thinking. And maybe you think nothing will ever change. Look at society, it's broken. It's going to hell in a handbasket. You know, there's so many wonderful things about what's happening in the world. Is that a hard statement for you to swallow? Because the truth is, the world is doing far better today than it ever has been. I'm reading a very fascinating book by a guy named Hans Rosling. It's called Factfulness. He was born in 1948. He's Swedish and he's a doctor and he began studying facts. And the facts actually prove that our world today Things are a lot better than ever, 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 ever in the history of humanity. He also proves that the more intelligent and educated a person is, the more that they will fail at being able to think and actually come into agreement with those facts. When he does a test with chimpanzees and he asks 12 questions, the chimpanzees at random score better than most humans. Do you know why? Because of our inherent biases. We cannot allow ourselves to think that the facts that we're looking at are true. And we hold on to our bias. And so if we're not able to even come to a right conclusion based on facts, then we need a faith in a God who is higher and thinks higher and his ways are higher than ours. He says, for just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your what? Thoughts. (laughs) God's thoughts are exalted above humanity's. We thought our way into the trouble we're in in humanity. And I'm not saying to shut our brains off, but if we think that we're going to think our way out all by ourselves, it's not going to happen. We need to say, God, we want to see things. We want to make context king and see things the way that you see them. But we want to live according to the things that we see, and we want to live righteously. We want to have right thinking. We want to think right about this. In Romans 12, very famous scripture, it says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of the world. What is the behavior and the customs of the world that Hans Rosling, the author of this book, Factfulness, just he's proven when he writes it, he, this is the fact, this is the customs of the world. When I present you with the facts, when you're presented with the truth of a situation, our bias will inherently shape the way that we think and we will disregard the full factors and we will come to a false conclusion. One of the key things that Dr. Rossling quotes is fear. Fear does not allow us to live outside of a binary world. 
we're afraid. We're afraid of the middle. We're afraid of what might be if we admit that perhaps we're wrong. That I might be right today, but I need to learn more for my tomorrow. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. It says, but let God transform you into a new person. By what? Changing the way you... Right there. What do you think right now? Because what you're thinking... It's going to determine your actions. It's going to determine how you love. It's going to determine how you how you forgive. It's going to determine how you choose to get up in the morning. The attitude that you're going to have, that you're going to choose to have. Making context king is a choice. It's a choice. See, I can't transform your mind for you. You and I as humans have to actively pursue and seek God's kingdom. Why? So that we can see things the way that he sees them and we can begin to walk out and live with right thinking. And I can't do it for you. You can disagree with me all you want. The only thing that it hurts is you. Our biases are barriers. We need to make context king. We need to see what God sees. We need desperately right now to think the way that God thinks. It is entirely possible even as a person of faith that you can live with the king. You're seated with him in heavenly places because of what Christ Jesus did. It is entirely possible for you to live with the king and at the same time not live like a king. Our biases have us bound. We're imprisoned by them. That perhaps we're living kingly courts in the palace of a king with the mindset of a prisoner. And a mindset of a prisoner will turn a palace into a prison. There's too much at stake. I want you to hear this. There's too much at stake. Your life matters too much. My life matters too much. The power of what happens when you and I get together and we seek first to understand each other. The power of making context king and seeking to see things. Me just simply saying, God, how do you see what's going on? How do you see the other side of the spectrum? Let me bring this really close to home. How do you see the people on that side of the fence that vax or don't vax? 
How do you see the people on that side of the fence that are mask or no mask? How do you see the people on that side of the fence that vote blue or red? How do you see the people on that side of the fence that appear in physical form as black or white? Can I tell you something? This is the other thing that Hans Rosling found out when he did this study, that it's a small percentage of people that live at the ends, that most of society lives in the middle in this beautiful part where there's amazing shades of purple as opposed to blue and red political views, where there's amazing shades of brown instead of just black and white. That there's so much in life that draws us together and pulls us out of our isolation and out of this binary. It's a one or another. It pulls us into the middle and says, we have so much in common if we're willing to seek first the interests of God's kingdom. King Jesus, what, did, what is it that you see right now in society? And we're willing to think like the king. Would you stand with me this morning? You're going to want to join us next week because... I'm actually going to use this same soundbite, but I'm going to provide more context of what Jesus was even talking about in Matthew 6. And we need to address some things. You're, you're going to be shocked, perhaps, when I give you context and say this is the heart of what Jesus was talking about and what he was coming after and what he's calling us to. And every single week, we're going to embrace the challenge or try to erase the confusion as we take a summer soundbite and we break it down. But I promise you this. I promise you this. You are going to gain the wonderful, beautiful, greater context of how God views things. And we need to make context king. Let's close our eyes this morning. I just want to speak against the spirit of fear right now. I brought, I brought up, there's, there's about 10 things that are found to keep us in our humanity in a, in a place of bias. One of them is fear. I just want to speak against that because I, I think at the root, fear is such a powerful weapon that the enemy wants to use. So we get afraid that if we admit, if we give one inch and admit one inch of truth, one inch of a factor in an equation. It'll destroy our own personal interest or it makes us fearful that we're going to lose something. We're going to lose our spot. I don't know what that fear is, right? But I will tell you it's the spirit of fear. And I think our society right now is feeling the burden and under the weight of the spirit of fear. And we need not be afraid. We need not be afraid, family. If you're on our online campus and, and you're, you're experiencing this, can you just let someone know on our stream team? If you're in the room, I want you to do this. Eyes closed. 
heads bowed because if you're experiencing fear, you might get fearful to do what I'm about to ask you to do. And I don't want you to experience that. And I want this to be a safe spot for you to do this. This is a very simple thing. You can do any one simple thing one time. This is a simple thing. I want you to simply just raise your hand right now if, if, you, can, if you can relate to this, if this is resonating in your heart. If you are like, hey, you know what? I probably have some bias in my life. I probably have some things that I need to seek greater context for. I probably need to ask God right now in the midst of the area that, you know, I'm right about? Here's a hint. If you don't think you have a bias, you need to raise your hand because you have a bias. Here's a hint. The area that you just know, well, it can't be this area because I'm right about this area. That's where your bias is, right there. We can always learn more. See, we have this in common. So God, I speak right now against the power of the devil that wants to adjust our vantage points and the way that we think. And God, I ask for an accurate picture so that we can draw a more accurate conclusion that we can see things the way that you as king see them. That we can think about things the way that you, king Jesus, think about them. That I see the people around me the way that you see them. That I think about the people around me the way that you think about them. God, I pray right now that this church family, it doesn't matter, no matter how small the number, God, that this church family would be like a wildfire. That we would go after living life together in a way that seeks first to understand and then to be understood. That we would go after the kingdom of God in a way that we dismantle, that we dethrone bias. That when someone walks into this church, when someone comes into, into contact in our community, it doesn't matter what you've walked through. It doesn't matter what you smell like from the night before. It doesn't matter what you've been putting in your body. It doesn't matter what you've done because there is a God who sees you for far more than you could ever imagine. This is who we want to be marked by. We want to be marked by the king. This is what we want to live like. Now, here's a very personal exercise for you this week. If you accept the challenge, you're simply going to ask God to show you where you're carrying a bias this week. Very simple. You can, you can ask one question. Anybody can ask one question. And I gave you the hint. Start with where you don't think you are biased. Because I'm right is a sure sign that you may be wrong. Now I want you to commit to this one step by asking these two key questions before you come to a conclusion about anything We know these questions. God, how do you see things? And God, how do you think about things? How do you see this? And how do you think about it? And let us cling to that. If you need prayer this morning, don't leave this place. We have a ministry team available. If you're here on campus, we have a ministry team available. If you're on our online campus, you simply can just come forward. You can raise your virtual hand on our stream team. We'll grab a hold of you and pray with you offline. But I don't want you to leave this place. If you're dealing with fear, 
Let's deal with it. Let's break it off. Let's dismantle it. Let's walk in freedom. In Jesus' powerful name, we together as a family say, amen.